Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. This is the Mike Abadir Show. Gino Bacola, the co-host, uh, alongside the main man, Mike Abadir, like always, July the 2nd, 2020. It, it's crazy, Mike, because it feels like this year has both gone by really, really slowly, but then it's weird that it's already into July. It seems like it's been going quickly at the same time, but uh, we are getting lots and lots of news now about sports on the way back but it, it's kind of conflicting because we look around the world and we're seeing a lot of these states where cases are spiked you know in new york for example if you fly in from certain other states you have to quarantine for a couple weeks florida cases are back up that's where the nba bubble is going to be so feels like we're getting sports back but then as, as stuff continues to go on in the world it's like i, I wonder are we really going to get these things back yeah that's one of the things i wanted to to uh, discuss today, just kind of handicapping the field. You know, who, what, le- you know, who are the, the people that are going to object to playing this year in terms of players, in terms of coaches, in terms of front offices, in terms of teams, in terms of leagues, and who are the ones that are going to press forward? So I think we could spend some time talking about that today. But man, y- you nailed it. I mean, we're in July, really, month number seven in the calendar. Still haven't had any baseball, no closure to hockey and basketball seasons. You know, there's been a few things that have been sporadic, like horse racing and redistributing that calendar around. It just, it's really, it's it's mayhem when you think about it. And somehow, some way, we've been able as human beings to kind of wrap our head around it a little bit to manage it. But when you step back and you look at it, if somebody told you this a year ago, that this would be going on, you'd be like, that's pandemonium. No way. This is a movie. Did you see yeah. the movie and you're telling me what happened there? Yeah, no. it's, uh, it's it's crazy. And, and we, I mean, we'll keep our fingers crossed because we're literally talking about, you know, baseball. They back. They back. They're back. They were opening. They were on the fields again. The basketball players are all training. They're going to be heading to Orlando soon to play in their bubble. The MLS is going to be playing in a bubble situation, but they've had some issues already with lots of players testing positive. I know that in the WNBA, some of their top tier players have already opted out. We haven't seen any top top tier players opt out yet from either baseball well baseball we saw Ryan Zimmerman so there's there's one sort of top tier player coming off a team that just won the world series in basketball Trevor Ariza um Avery Bradley who plays for the Lakers the one that a lot of people are waiting on right now is Dwight Howard Dwight Howard um it uh, was involved in something really sad his the mother of one of his children passed away uh, in March so now Dwight has become the the main caretaker of of one of his children, and he's you know contemplating will he be able to leave and go somewhere for a couple months and not be able to be around this kid that he's now taking care of. There's a lot of issues that we don't think about because we kind of think about these players as basketball player, baseball player, football player, and not real person along with it. But they have all of the same issues that you or I ever would with their families, with, um, you know, even financial stuff like that. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of things for some of these players to think about. Yeah, I think the MLB tracker last I checked was around five players total. Not many. Uh, that's, that's, you know, uh, 
mid-tier player type guys um, on up to, to Zimmerman, as you already mentioned. So not many so far. I think mentally they were so ready for baseball. They were already in the midst of spring training, you know, having their eye on opening day. And it kind of got yanked out from underneath them. So I think for them, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I wasn't surprised that there weren't many that opted out. Because I think it just kind of like, all right, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. Whereas in basketball, you were already fatigued, you know, having been three quarters of the way through your season, you know, and some teams are already kind of eliminated. Yeah, exactly. That's you're the point. just tired. Who, your who body's are tired. You? It's and where do you stages. stand? Right. Yeah. That, that's a lot of it. You know, in, for example, someone like a Brandon Ingram, right? He plays for the Pelicans, and Brandon Ingram has had some physical issues already, like some scary stuff with like heart things and um and and breathing and so you wonder with a guy like that he's coming back into this situation not only just from a health perspective but his contract is up next he's up for a max contract coming up this year if he goes out there and he hurts himself and and blows the opportunity to make 25 to 30 million dollars a year and and for a huge contract that could change his life we've seen players do that all the time with injuries it happened with demarcus cousins a couple different times now where it looked like he was set for a big contract and then he he would get hurt and he wasn't able to get and so, so we davis bertrands from the washington wizards he's sitting out because of that guys like bradley beal who the wizards would literally need to and they're the worst of the 22 teams coming in they would need to go like Six and two, and the teams, one of the teams in front of them would need to go like two and six in order to even give them an opportunity to have a play in for the playoffs. So, a lot of these teams, if you don't have a shot, if you're not maybe the Lakers, the Clippers, the Bucks, maybe one of six to eight teams that feels like you have a legitimate chance, are you, are you a player weighing this in your head and thinking, is it even worth it? Great points. If I'm representing an NBA player, the way I would look at it is. What is the upside on playing for a month? You know, is there a potential that you're going to be rusty, that it maybe takes you 10 games to be able to get into your real good, real mm -hmm. good rhythm, right? Yeah. And so, uh, you know, and, and I think players know themselves real well. They know if they've got heavy legs because they played, you know, 75% of the season, like I said, maybe they've really, really enjoyed this time to heal up their bodies and are like, you know what, I don't want to do this stop and go thing and then have to check back in in October. So, you know, let's list out the pros and cons. What are the pros? What are the cons? What is the upside of me coming back? You know, is it is the only upside you get a few more paychecks and to win a championship? Well, how many teams can say that they can win a championship? So if I'm not one of those elite, I don't know, would you say that there's six or seven teams that maybe have a shot yeah and, and this year there's more teams than have had a shot in past years because you know we we all were kind of fixated on the warriors for the last five years or so yep. and and the Cavs before they they looked like teams and the spurs even they it was going to be one of those teams honestly on the on the west if you told me it was the lakers or the clippers as healthy, I think it's those two teams that feel like they're a little bit above everybody else. But if one of those two teams or both of them suffered an injury to a Davis, to a LeBron, to a Kawhi, to a Paul George, one of those guys get hurt 
or or guys from either team get hurt combinations, then it opens it up to Denver, maybe, uh, maybe Houston, maybe you know, maybe that next tier of teams. I think on the East. You have Milwaukee, but Milwaukee's never done it yet. They've been really dominant in the regular season, but they haven't done it and and really had their their growing pains through the playoffs yet. Do they need to take another step? Toronto's been really good, even you know after losing Kawhi, they've been excellent. Boston has been a little better than people expected. They have a young, real versatile type lineup. The 76ers have been the real weird team. They kind of get a free roll here now. They've struggled through most of the year, but now they get an opportunity to kind of sit in, you know, maybe the fifth spot, fifth or sixth spot, and and they're not going to have to worry about going on the road and playing a team. They're all going to be playing on neutral site. They're the team, to me, that kind of is kind of interesting because if they, they don't have to sustain a, a really good six months, they just have to come back for, you know, maybe six weeks and figure some things out and, and just play a little bit better when they're healthy. So, yeah, I think six, six, seven teams seems about fair. Yeah, the Sixers were the seventh team that you'd listed, and that they're probably, you know, deserving of a seven seed in the midst of this conversation mm-hmm. uh, for, for, you know, purposes of winning a championship. So pretty much if you're not on any of those teams, what's the upside? I mean, really, it just picking up some paychecks, right? And but what's the downside, especially if you've got a contract, you know, that's that's going to be up and you're looking for a payday. There's a lot more downside to this than upside. So, yeah, you know, uh, I guess this is probably be an ideal time to uh, handicap the uh, leagues here and I'll get us started. I think, I don't think that the NBA season is going to continue. I think this thing, it seems like there's been negative news every day for the NBA. Somehow, some way, a positive test, a comment made, um, uncertainty about living in the bubble, you know, that's just the sense that I get. So I'm going to predict that there's going to be no NBA, that this thing is just going to be canceled. The latest news was how much it's going to cost just to be in the bubble, which is $150 million, an expense that the NBA is going to incur. I don't see it, man. Don't the mean only to be reason, Debbie Downer. Yeah, the only reason. that guy, but I, don't, I just don't think that when push comes to shove, we're going to see NBA this year. The reason why I feel like the NBA may have a better opportunity than, than baseball or you know some of the other sports couple of reasons uh, I, we talked about how baseball is actually set up the most perfect being outside already social distance but as far as from what they need to finish the nba doesn't have a lot left they've just got these la- this last little seven or eight games and then they've got the playoffs following that so they don't have quote unquote a full season and then a playoffs to get to like baseball will have to do they will also be able to we're talking about owners and an Adam Silver, who's the commissioner, who are much more forward-thinking and I think are a lot less stubborn than necessarily the baseball owners. I don't know which way that will go. It, does that mean because they're I, – I, I love Adam Silver. I think he's great. He's very honest. To me, he seems like the best commissioner out there right now. The players seem to really like him, and I think the NBA owners – are different than the ba- the baseball owners who are really stubborn. We saw everything go on. So I feel like if something goes wrong with baseball, felt like both sides didn't even really want to play this season. That that to me wouldn't be a, a shock if, if both sides just quickly said, okay, we're not playing. Because it seemed like neither side wanted to really play for a while. Whereas basketball, I think they... The, the the good teams at least, Lakers, Clippers, the, these those teams that we're probably going to be watching hopefully at the end of the season, I think they really want to get back and, and just kind of get this done and, and see this through. It's kind of funny because I think this is a this is one of those rare occurrences where we're kind of on opposite ends yeah. of the spectrum on on each of the things because I I felt that 
that the talk we heard during the baseball negotiations was posturing. It's like, oh, we don't really want to play, but they they were dying to play. That that was how I kind of read it. I just felt that it was more negotiations ploy. You know, give us what we want, or you know what, we're not really that interested in playing. But I think they're super looking forward to it. You know, just even seeing the enthusiasm around the batting cages and guys showing up and they're they're back at, at it. You know, they're, that's their office. That's their place of business. So I think baseball is going to start the season. So NBA, no. Baseball, yes. I can't say 100% that they're going to finish, though, because you make a good point. This is going to go on for several months. My crystal ball doesn't go that far. The NFL, there's no stopping the NFL. They will start and they will finish the entirety of the season, and they will have to put up with positive tests. They're going to get some, but they're going to be the most adamant, get out of our way, we're playing on the day we're supposed to start. Our Super Bowl is going to be played on the day the Super Bowl is supposed to be played, and there's no in-betweens. Interestingly enough, I don't think there's going to be a college football season this year. And they even tried to kind of open up the dialogue with NFL about the draft. They approached them and were like, hey, if we decide to play in January when the coast is clear, will you guys push out the uh, 2021 draft? NFL said, absolutely not. So they're very adamant about their schedule and keeping their schedule. So they're the most resolute out of all of them. But yeah, college football, no, we're not going to see the, mo- the best we're going to be able to see is maybe a few scrimmage-type games. You know, you're not going to get an entire conference with, with teams in different states that are going to be able to come together and have a full conference schedule. Just not, it's, I just don't see it. I think of all – it doesn't make sense for me with the school stuff. I, like, are they going to even be in school? <laughs> are we going to be well, able to have – you college- see that kid from uh, University of Arizona – you know, he, he kind of called out the uh, the university president or the chancellor or somebody because that person sent out a notice to all the kids that go to school there, right, from freshmen all the way on through graduate students. It's like, don't come on the campus. I believe he's the running yeah. – or he's a DB. He comes out and he says – and uh, forgive me for not uh, remembering his name. He comes out and says, well, wait a second. What are we doing here then? Why Why are we here – we're students too. It's obvious, though, this is their moneymaker. And so, as stories like that kind of come to light, it's going to be a really, these universities are going to get really beat up, man. Really, really beat up. And they're in a very tricky predicament. I'm hearing stories about parents uh, or students, but parents of students calling up and saying, hey, I'm going to have to pull my kid. We can't afford this. And some universities are coming out and be like, well, what if we give you a 40% discount on tuition? That's unheard of. I've never in my lifetime heard of anything like that. That tells you how badly they're hurting and how badly and desperate they need football. Even with that, it ain't happening, man. It just isn't. I can't see a campus taking on that liability with people living in dorms and in very close quarters to one another that they're going to take on that liability just don't see it. And if the students can't be on campus, ultimately there's going to be some freedom fighter that says no way for the football players to, you can't use them like property like that. 
So yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm think I'm the lowest on college football getting back. I think I have I would have NBA and NFL ahead of or NBA and baseball ahead of NFL just because they're planning on coming back sooner. Honestly, because I think if they don't work, then the NFL might be in a little bit of trouble. Like if baseball doesn't work in particular, if something's happening where you know the the players are really you know infecting each other and and it's it's overloading to where they're not able to like to field teams then how do you look at football where you're going to have you know 22 guys lining up against each other on every single play in the most hand-to-hand contact of any of the sports so i think football's kind of in a weird spot because they have to really wait and hope and just kind of keep their fingers crossed that what's going on in front of them plays out okay yeah well keep in mind something you're talking about the earlier start dates. It kind of, sort of, because the bubble starts at the end of this month. So do training camps for the NFL. So in a, in a sense, they're kind of, sort of starting, you know, at the same time. Obviously, the NFL is not going to be playing any games uh, for a few weeks beyond that. They've already trimmed the preseason schedule down from four, or some teams play five, down to two, two games for each team. Um, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm, I'm happy to hear that. There's no reason to risk any injuries at this point with everything that's going on in a meaningless preseason game. Coaches and teams will just have to do a better job evaluating their rosters from within um, without having seen them on the field, which is a little bit difficult. But, hey, this is a abbreviated type of uh, year situation, et cetera. So, uh, but here's one quick thing, and then we need to take a commercial break. Oakley got together with NFL. Oakley, the sunglasses manufacturer, got together with NFL. They're working with them on a shield visor type thing uh, that's going to be constructed inside the helmet. And I believe that it's going to go all the way around. It's not going to impede any vision. It's going to have a lot of clarity. It's going to be one of those that doesn't uh, fog up due to you know humidity or moisture or anything like that. And they're pretty optimistic. Uh, you know, we had reps talk to us um, on group calls and explain kind of how they're approaching COVID-19. So far, so good. I'm impressed with the detail that they've, uh, you know, paid attention to and that they're delivering on. And that's kind of what gives me the optimism and the confidence, as well as kind of just how resolute ownership and the, the league as a whole is about playing this upcoming season. The other thing is, I think, a lot of players are going to be wearing gloves. So you're really not going to have anything exposed. Now, with that said, I mean, all the, these leagues, but especially football and baseball, because their outdoors are like no spitting. That's kind of a tough one. That's kind of a tough one. I don't even know how you even monitor that or enforce that. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's it's going to be really interesting, man. Um, yeah. That, that's just kind of my take on the four. Um, your arguments make a lot of sense. Well, let's you know, continue because the conversation, yeah. we're going to talk most more about this, and I think we're ready to take a break. But, yeah, because I, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, what um, the New York governor, Andrew Cuomo, had mentioned about, you know, if you're traveling to New York from the following states, you know, as far as the quarantines are concerned and how that's going to affect baseball. Yeah, and I think that same kind of mentality or the same type of issue is kind of uh, what the NHL is dealing with and even MLB with going up to Toronto, right? You yep. know, international border, et cetera. So, yeah, let's continue the conversation, Gino. Let's take our first commercial break. When we come back, we'll pick up where we left off. Stay with us. We will be back in two. 
follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. For Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at com. Now, back to this week's program. Back here on the Mike Abadir Show. So we're talking about all the different sports leagues and um, their hopes to get back up and running. And you know, within the next few weeks, uh, as far as baseball is concerned, we're you know about three plus weeks away from where they would be able to start. Less than a month from the start of the NBA. But we we look at at things like you know what's happening in Florida, what's happening in New York, Arizona is a place that's been spiking. California, where we live, has been you know really really spiking. And Andrew Cuomo, just two days ago, New York governor, if you're traveling to New York from the following states, you must self-quarantine for 14 days. Alabama, uh, Arizona, uh, Arkansas, California, Florida, Georgia, Iowa, uh, Idaho, Louisiana, uh, you know, all the way through North Carolina, Nevada, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas. Um, This is not going to be logistically very easy. I mean, think about the National League East that you mentioned. You got the Yankees, you got Toronto, you got the Tampa Bay Rays. You're going to go from Florida to New York and then up to Toronto and then back to New York and then back down to Florida? um, Our buddy, Andrew Champagne, who's been on the show many times and is always on That's What G Said, talking wrestling with me, really good guy. His dad is coming out here. I think he's out here either today or the next day. They're going to go play golf at Pebble Beach. And he's coming out here for a trip. But when his dad flies back to New York, he's going to have to self-quarantine for 14 days. I, I don't know how that, – that's what, another reason why I feel like the NBA has a better shot because what's going to happen travel-wise with some of these states going in and out? Is that all going to be done in, in a month? But you see, you're talking logistics. I think the NBA doesn't happen because of the players – that 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 make up the league. Well, it, the key is 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 like is a LeBron, is a Giannis, is someone like that going to come out? Because Damian Lillard was talking about it. He doesn't seem very confident. He he thinks that a lot of the guys are not going to follow the rules. 
And that's what concerns him. And and so he said, I'm going to go to practice, come back. I brought all my DJ stuff, video games, PS3, PS4, all that stuff. He said, I'm sitting by myself and I'm just going to play because I'm nervous that all the other guys aren't going to stay in the bubble. They're going to go out and come back and forth. They're not going to be doing the things that they're supposed to be doing. They're not going to be following the rules. And, and in the NBA, it's like you said, there's a, there's a little bit more of a sense because from a ton of teams that may not need to finish a season. So I, I think we're talking about what's funny, completely opposite things. And, and a lot of it has to do, you know, even with, is it going to be easier for a, a league to start a season and finish it? Or is it going to be easier for a league to just come in and finish like the NBA? We're going to see both within a week attempt to do, you know, well, two different look, things. If, if you have, if you have somebody like, like Lillard, big name guy, you know, maybe not nationally uh, like a LeBron, but I mean, he's, he's pretty much, you know, right at the next tier in terms of great players who's got a voice in the league, who the union is going to listen to, who the players are going to listen to. If somebody like that feels that way, okay, why would he then want to subject himself on the court? Well, so I think he's he, we'll, we'll see good. if he's going he's to gonna play PlayStation and all that kind of stuff. But when push comes to shove, why, you know, do you see what I'm saying? Like, if I don't think that everybody's going to be kind of following the rules, you know, now that it's the day before or two days before game time, I'm having like some real apprehension about playing well, I, cold I think, feet. I think he is one of those guys that we talk about. His team is three and a half games out of the, the playoff spot. And there's four other teams around them that are right in the same spot. They're all going to be battling for one spot. It's just going to be that eighth spot because the one through seven teams in the West are already figured out. So I think he is kind of weighing, like we've said, he's weighing it in his head. Like if some of these guys aren't going to really take it 100% seriously because they don't, I think the teams, like we said, I think the Clippers, I think the Lakers, I think the Bucks, I think some of these teams that are veteran teams that are le- that have good leaders will take this seriously. I think they'll do what they're supposed to do. I think they'll follow the rules. But again, maybe some of the younger teams that don't care quite as much, that maybe don't think this is seriously, maybe you come on a different political standpoint where you don't, I, I don't know. And I think that's what he's saying. So it, it is interesting. I, I, I really don't know. These, you know, obviously we're just making our guesses and assumptions. I'm, I'm hoping everything comes back and ends up playing. I just feel like with less to get through, even if some of these big name players that are on the, 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 the bottom tier teams sit out and we get, you know, we don't get a LeBron. We don't get a Kawhi. We don't get a Giannis. We don't get a, you know, one of those. I think the NBA will be okay. Um, well, there's one other factor to consider too, Gino, which is the social climate, the social unrest yeah, that's going on point. around us. And so you have a lot of players who are taking on a bigger role. They are becoming young activists. Maybe they're seasoned activists. Maybe they are part of that group from the first go around several years ago at the ESPYs of LeBron and Wade and Chris Paul and was it Durant? I'm not sure. Uh, But that that got up, kind of took turns making statements about how they were going to be more involved with um, social issues, be more vocal about it. We heard a lot of the stick to basketball talk at that time, but there were some players, I think Kyrie uh, was one of them, correct me if I'm wrong, who was kind of like, you know, I kind of want to focus on the social issues during this time period. And so the NBA to kind of make it like, hey, we're going to make it real social talk friendly for you guys to be able to do so in the locker room and in interviews and stuff like that. 
we're going to put Black Lives Matter on the court. We're going to allow you to put uh, different things on the back of your jerseys to kind of show your support for BLM or other issues. Can't put the names of any deceased on there for liability reasons, but you could put pretty much anything else that you want dealing with this issue. That's kind of, I don't know, man. I think that, that their interests are kind of divided, a little bit scattered. That's kind of what concerns me is now you, you, you have a big social you're right. issue. No, you're right. And, and COVID-19, and for whatever reason, and look, I get it. The NBA's the percentage of black athletes in the NBA is higher than any of the other sports. But we're really not hearing a lot from you know baseball and from football in terms of the social kind of vocal approach. There's been a few guys, don't get me wrong, um, in each of the sports, but nothing like the NBA. You know, I don't, I don't see any NFL teams that are going to be putting, you know, Black Lives Matter on their jerseys, as an example. No. You know, uh, which it, it kind of really kind of shows you the, the difference in terms of leadership. You know, you mentioned Silver earlier. You know, he really connects with his players. He kind of takes a, the t- a temperature gauge as to kind of what's on their minds. And he, it allows them the freedom and the creativity to be able to express themselves. And I think to a degree, you kind of have to, right? Because basketball is probably the most you know, individual sport. I've in the past called it kind of a selfish sport in a way you have to be a team player. Don't get me wrong, but you know, they're the most branded as individuals and they've been able to get their way with uh, deals and player movement and free agency and so on and so forth more than any other sport because they've got greater value. One out of five guys and when you're one of the premier guys, then uh, you're even that much more valuable. So like you kind of alluded to, if we have one of these top tier guys that shows any kind of hesitancy and we don't we're not privy to the conversations behind closed doors. So if, if we're if I'm getting a sense of hesitancy right now from a distance, it's probably a lot stronger on the inside. That's just kind of how I read it. Uh, but like I said earlier, it's I don't because be I feel completely different. I, I think you no, I I think you're right with 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 a lot of it. But I don't think I, I still get the feeling that a lot of these players in the NBA were more ready to go than the baseball players, and definitely than the baseball owners who were didn't, didn't. Manfred basically came out the other day and told us what we all thought that he was stalling, what we had, what we had all assumed, you know, in, in their negotiations, so that way they couldn't play more games. Um, so I. I do think, and, and so it's funny, yeah, from a need to get less done and hopefully if we can just worry about getting, you know, the 16 teams through the first round of the playoffs after two two weeks of them being there in, in Orlando. But from a, we talked about this for the last few weeks, from a pure social distancing, being outdoors, the way that the sport is set up with almost no contact at all. Um, a lot of guys are wearing gloves already, batting gloves, things like that. Um, baseball just feels like the sport that if it, I, if if I trusted the people running it a little bit more, I would say absolutely they feel like they should be the most ready to succeed. I just don't trust the people in charge. Well, you mentioned the stalling and – Look, baseball has gotten really, really beat up over the last few months, and for good reason. You know, beat up by the media, by, by the fans, etc. And like I said, it, there's good reason for that. But I think if we step into the shoes of baseball ownership and collectively as a league for a moment, and we look at it and examine it, 
COVID-19 is probably most disruptive to baseball as a league. And the reason I say that is because baseball as an enterprise, you know, you're, you know, you, t- you look at the 30 teams initially, but then when you peel the layers off, you're like, okay, each team has five, six, seven teams underneath them. And then you have the global aspect of it and, and scouts and, and baseball academies and so on and so forth. They, so they, they were going to take a huge hit. So it was on them to kind of figure out what their sweet spot is. Okay, what, what, how, if we look at it like a formula, what is the formula to limit the damage but to get a partial season in? And I think that's kind of why they had those, you know, kind of like limits or those floors baked into the conversation in the first place. And, uh, you know, I can guarantee you they spent a lot of time on it trying to figure out what is kind of that sweet spot. So getting in 60 games is probably as close as it is because we get just enough revenue from the TV deals. We maintain some level of fan interest in, in giving them a World Series. But, you know, we're able to kind of minimize the damage of the player contracts and, and salaries, et cetera. All the way down to, you know, like I said, five, six, seven more organizations underneath each of the teams. But, man, the hit that they're going to take, it's not just financial. Future hit, and we talked about it maybe about a month ago, the cancellation of the minor league seasons and what's that going to do to the future. And they already reduced the number of draft picks, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be feeling this for years to come, Gino. Whereas decade, I don't think it feels NBA, like a decade for one year. Yeah, I don't no, think the no, NBA is going to be feeling it for years to come. No, the no. NFL will too because of because if if they don't if if there is no college football this year, that's going to hurt the NFL big time in in ways that people don't even think about. So those are the two sports, but baseball is the biggest hit, followed by football. NBA, I think they you know outside of losing some revenue, I think they're okay. Yeah, I, I I'm not even discuss thinking this as much of from the future as far as just who is going to be able to get their season in who who would have the best opportunity to i would the way that i would rank them would be football at the bottom like we said there's just there's too many guys on the field and too much back and forth i feel like that that's going to hurt then then baseball i think they would have the best opportunity but is it something they're going to try to go push through if if we already have had a little bit of I'm, I guess, malaise on both sides about how important playing this season would be anyways. And and then, like you said, with the NBA, there's so many reasons. So it's hard to be not we don't want to be negative, but there's plenty of reasons to to question if any of the leagues get back. We we want them to. Now, let's not make sure this is not coming from a point of like we don't want these leagues back. We absolutely do. It's just a question about with what's happened in the last month, all of these spikes after we started to reopen everything all over the place. It it would be really really tough to see all of these leagues going on without a hiccup. No, you make a good point, and that's a good disclaimer. And uh, I should probably kind of uh, give my basis on some of these things and, uh, and and speak up on it just for a quick moment. So, when it, with respect to the NBA stuff, that's completely opinion on my side. It's not based on any information outside of what anybody any fan out there could find out by you know social media google search watching espn so on and so forth listening to the talk shows uh baseball outside of a few conversations with some agents that represent um you know some fairly marquee players uh 
once again, it's it's a few agents, and then same thing: social media, ESPN, blah blah blah. Uh, college football, I've got I've got a pulse with a, a good number of coaches, either on the coaching staff or even head coaches, um, and I I can I just feel their hesitancy, their um, their lack of belief that it's going to happen. And that's kind of how I'm weighing some of my things when it comes to football, NFL though, you know, we're, we're really, I'm really plugged in to what the league is saying, what the union is saying. And it's surprising me how adamant they are both sides that they're going to get this season in. But where I agree with you is in terms of the dangers, in terms of the numbers and in terms of we don't know where we are going to be come Labor Day weekend. Six weeks. As yeah. a society. We don't so know. We, if it's continued A month down ago, things path, looked good. Things looked better, looked right? very it looked, good. It looked like everything was starting to – we were getting reason – we were having reasons to to reopen things, right? Things, things were slowing down. Everything seemed like it was getting stabilized for the most part. And then we opened things back up. It spiked back up. I think there were a lot of people that – once we felt like things were starting to turn the corner, then they really did the no mask, the no gloves, and who knows what side you stand on with all of that. What I think those things represent, though, is how you act. If you are someone who is a little bit more wearing the mask and the gloves, you're probably not going to be in a big party scenario. You're not going to be in some of these places. Like You probably aren't having the uh, the COVID parties like we're hearing about in Alabama. Did you read that one? Yeah. yeah Which where they're, you know, they're, the college kids are going around inviting people that they know have the virus and they're they're gambling they're they're all putting money in the pot and then whoever catches the virus first gets the money not thinking about hey you guys probably aren't going to die right you might not you're most likely not going to die maybe a few there's been some young people here and there but you're probably not going to die but what does this do for you long term you're 100 positive this isn't going to have any long-term effects on you and two what if you go see your mom, your dad, your grandma, your grandpa, and they catch it, and then they're in bad shape? What if you come see me, who has cancer, somebody else like that? That's that's the problem, and and I think a lot of people just kind of took it. it took it felt like we moved on from the virus to the protesting, and I think a lot of people just kind of forgot about the virus. And I'm not I'm not saying there was anything wrong with the protest or anything like that, but I think. It was it was like a new thing came in and, and took that in. We all felt like the virus kind of went took a little back seat for a month, and unfortunately, the last week two weeks have not been good. No, and what's been a killer really is politics inserting itself into 100%, this pandemic. 100%. And where where it really really stings, in my opinion, is in the hypocrisy. Okay, so you have a political party who is. Totally banging on everybody about the masks. Okay, cool. Makes sense. I get it, right? But then they excuse themselves when it comes to a protest, when it comes to a huge gay pride parade. So it's almost kind of like we will pick and choose when you can social distance and when you cannot. And because we support noble causes, we're okay with it. That's a bunch of hogwash. It's got to be consistent. It's either 100% masks, 100% social distancing, or not. But if you're going to go the not route, then you're going to have to open it up to people that want to get together and do other things that maybe aren't as noble in terms of a cause. So when you get to that point, Gino, what happens is 
people are like, F you. It's scary. It's scary. Finger. Yeah, we're kind of seeing... get frustrated. Yeah. And ultimately, this hurts us. Everybody, this hurts yeah. us. Mm-hmm. So when people have this attitude like, screw you, you guys are hypocrites, that just hurts us at the end of the day, man. And I understand their anger and where they're coming from. I really do. And it kind of starts giving credence to hoax kind of talk and that kind of thing and conspiracy theories. And, you know, they said masks uh, or no masks and then masks. And you have people trying to rationalize all that. See, they could do what they want when they want to do it. Nope, they're not going to tell me what to do. And this is where we're at right now. And unfortunately, we don't have good enough leadership at the top and heading each state collectively to be able to get this thing figured out. So uh, that's kind of me going on a little bit of a political tangent. Gino, let's take a commercial break. Let's talk a little horse racing and conclude some of this talk about these sports opening up and a little bit of a baseball news, maybe even some fantasy talk for a quick minute or two. I've got a couple of things I want to point out. So stay with us. We will come back strong and deliver. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Here on the Mike Abadir Show, we are closing things out on this July 2nd. Happy 4th of July weekend to everyone out there. It's a bummer, Mike. You've been to my house before on 4th of July. This will be the first time in my 33 years, and um, it's been going to be the first time in like 50 years that we're not going to be having a 4th of July party over there with barbecue and uh, oh, softball man, and everything. That's kind of a bummer, it's man. It's a bummer. It's one of my, it's, it's always been my favorite holiday because we always had the party. I always had people over. We played softball. I'd have fireworks. I always have a drink or two, and I was sitting in my house, and it was 
yeah, so just a bummer, you know, it, it, little things that it, for everyone, I know a lot of people just had to deal with, you no know, graduations and um, probably a lot of seniors that didn't get to do really cool things or, you know. It's kind of a lost that. year. It is for so many people, year. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, 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 yeah. I mean, it's, it's really fascinating when you kind of, like I said earlier in the show, if somebody a year ago told you all this stuff, you wouldn't be able to wrap your head around it. So it, to me, it's almost remarkable the fact that we are able to digest it and just kind of keep it going. It's kind of impressive. It kind of shows you the re- resiliency of the human mind. Uh, but with that said, there are a lot of people that are suffering beyond uh, my knowledge, um, whether it be financially or this has caused maybe depression or other things. Um, so I don't want to minimize that. But for the most part, I think as, as a society, we've done a pretty good job just kind of trying to keep it all together in the midst of all this chaos that's happening. Uh, quick scheduling note, Gino. We don't often uh, talk about next week's guests. Sometimes we do. Uh, but I wanted to make a quick mention. We are going to be graced by the presence of Jason Whitlock, nice. who just moved from Fox Sports uh, from the uh, Speak for Yourself. Is that what it's called? Speak for Yourself show with Marcellus Wiley to uh, outkick the coverage with uh, another fairly controversial, not quite barstool level, uh, but, you know, the outkick definitely has more of a conservative flavor to it. And uh, I'll be interested just to kind of hear more about why he decided to make the move um, and and kind of what his role is going to be over there and what's kind of the the goal for OutKick in terms of what do they see in their crystal ball in terms of their growth with their platform and what are the things they are looking to do. So Jason Whitlock next week, be there. So we got, um, I mean, we're the next few weeks are, are going to be pretty pivotal in, in horse racing. We have hopefully Del Mar starting back up. We have Saratoga hopefully starting back up. We have a big weekend at Belmont Park with a bunch of stakes races uh, this weekend coming up. So we'll keep Monmouth, our fingers. Uh, Monmouth Park opens on Friday. So uh, horse racing has done a really good job uh, for the most part. We found out a, a couple things about Santa Anita after the fact that they wanted to kind of just keep open till, uh, yeah. as long as possible. But they've done a pretty good job limiting uh, everything. And we, we have been talking about it forever. Horse racing just has a has things a little bit differently in the the factor of the animals and the animals needing to be cared for and, and so many people living on, on grounds at every racetrack. Yeah, but even in this crazy year, you couldn't expect everything to kind of entirely go back to normal, right? Like we, I've never heard Del Mar without Trevor Denman, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, well, I guess he doesn't do both. Does he do both meets? Has he been doing both? I think he has, right? Yeah, yep. So this will be the first meet since uh, early 80s or something like that without Trevor Denman. So uh, pretty good replacement. Um, I think the East Coasters are, are way bigger on Larry Colmas maybe than, than West Coasters. But, hey, he's the voice of the Triple Crown, NBC guy. I think he'll do a fine job. But my point is, in this crazy year, you couldn't expect everything to be 100% normal in any scenario uh, that we're dealing with. But um, – yeah, uh, that Met Mile looks like a rock-solid field. Oh, this is the best race of the year, um, and it might be better than any race of the year. Because what it looks like, is, what's cool, is that this Met Mile is like an older, old-school race in that you have 
you know, some horses, like a horse like Vekoma, who's been um, successful in the last couple of races sprinting. You have horses that might be a little bit better going long, like Code of Honor. So you get a real combination. Then McKinsey, who's kind of able to do it all, um, get a good combination of horses maybe stretching out, maybe some true milers here, some distance horses. You can legitimately make a case, I think, for six of the eight. And the other two, I absolutely think, could hit the board. There's nobody you can completely dismiss because even the longest shot on the field with a running style, if they go quick early, is a horse who can absolutely finish you know, second or third and pick up some pieces. And then network effect from the inside probably needs to improve, maybe not as good as the rest. Every other horse in this field legitimately has a shot. There are going to be three horses that end up vying for favoritism, too. It could be any one of the three that, that ends up getting bet down between uh, you know, Code of Honor, McKinsey, and Vacoma. Yeah, great field. Uh, nice size field. Not huge, manageable for a handicapper. You get to have some uh, opportunity to, you know, look for a price. If not on top, then uh, definitely to build a Superfecta ticket underneath. So it should be a great wagering opportunity. On the other end of the spectrum, uh, what are your thoughts about the Los Al Derby? It, we see it, we, had, we see Sias coming in to ride uh, for Baffert. Yep. I'm, I'm I'm always surprised that we don't get another couple horses that would take a shot and ship out for Same a race here. like this. It doesn't make a lot of sense, especially this year when there's Derby points on the line. Which, if you're a horse, if you have a horse, I mean, if you, it, I just you know I'm, I'm mumbling because my, it, my it surprises only me. Thought, yeah. And and, and I, my only thought is maybe this year at least with the kind of the the quarantine situation that we're talking about, perhaps there's something. Related to that, where you know, owners like, you know what, let's just keep them here for Saratoga. I don't know, but I guess that would kind of be invalidated by, well, what was the excuse for last year or the year before? Yeah, for whatever reason, uh, you know, Los Alamitos just hasn't gotten that national respect, no matter how hard Los Al tries and TVG tries to kind of, you know, talk about, hey, this is the home of California Chrome and, and how many uh, Derby winners have uh, raced over there at some point in time. And it's a surface that trainers love and jockeys love and owners love running their horses there, but it just kind of hasn't had that, na- uh, that national, you know, Chad Brown, Pletcher wanting to ship in type field, typically speaking. I, I, it, we see, yeah, we just, I don't know why we don't see it more there. These are graded stakes races. There's still money uh, to be, to be had. So um, who knows? I, may, maybe something to do with uh, the, the travel right now. And, and, and yeah, who knows? May, that could be an issue. Some, some of the time with horses trying to ship in from New York and then back and forth. So maybe, maybe that's something, but it is a bummer. Uh, we do get to see a couple of good horses. Uh, you know, you're going to see Bellafina also. She's going to be in a graded stakes race and she's going to have to draw the rail, which is always a way for trying to beat her. That might be one of the ways to try to beat her when she draws the rail and things maybe get a little tight down there from the inside. But from a class perspective, she really does seem to, to tower over that field. So um, Los Alamitos with a couple graded stakes races this weekend, but just a short Los Alamitos because Del Mar is not far away. Yeah. Uh, Del Mar's opening day. Are they going back to Wednesday? No, because they're only going to be, I think, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Just Friday, Saturday, this week, so the opener will be next Friday then. Okay. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, uh, I love Del Mar. Um, part of what I love Del Mar about is the, you know, crowd, the fans, the excitement, the energy. So, for me, without the fans at any of these venues, okay, it kind of comes down to which tracks am I best at handicapping? You know how there's just some meets where what for whatever reason, whether it be the surface, the turf course, w- whatever, you're just like, man, I'm just not as good at that track, <laughs> you know? So to me, 
you know, Saratoga and Del Mar, it's kind of like it doesn't really matter whether they're at Santa Anita or Del Mar or wherever. Can't go there anyway. So is it a, a track that I like? And the reason I brought up Monmouth earlier is because that's a track that I've typically done pretty well at, you know, especially in terms of putting together like pick fives and, and uh, you know, horizontal wagers. It'll be a little know, different uh, layout over at Monmouth this year, too, with no, yeah. uh, no surveys, the no Navarro. They're going to be the gone. Things might be a little bit more wide open, too, from a betting standpoint. Yeah, you know what, Gino? Even with those guys there, I know a lot of people – you know, think of Monmouth as, as fairly chalky because of those guys, you know, hitting at such high clips. And, and, and it is to a degree. But, man, I'll tell you, I, I've over the last four or five years, I've if I haven't played every single day, I've at least watched or looked at the results afterwards. And I'm always really pleasantly surprised. Like, you, ha- you have a pick five. It's typically started in race one, right? And so you may be able to go, like, single, single, and then, like, two deep or three deep. And... The pick three pays you like 11 bucks, okay, in that sequence. But then you get like an 18 to one in, in leg four, you know, uh, and, and race five excludes any of those trainers as an example. And the pick five, even to like the second favorite, is paying three, 400 bucks. And you're like, wow, just one horse. How about you know, this? So I, so I kind of got into the habit of like single, single, two deep, all with like two deep, three deep. Not a very expensive ticket. But man, I connect out on it enough times where I was like, man, I love this. It's almost like free money. It's, it's, it's almost that easy. Nothing in horse racing is, but I found it to overpay. And I think a lot of these tracks, because they have the lower takeouts on these pick fives, that you're able to kind of have those kind of nice, juicy scores. It's not, it, it ain't one of those that's paying you 104000 but to be able to get maybe, you know, some, some, a nice return, three, four, 500 bucks, 700 bucks on a fairly small investment of 24 or 36 bucks, that doesn't suck. I and just to you know we only have a minute or two left just to kind of talk a, a little bit about that right now at Canterbury one of the tracks I've been loving to play because they have a 10% uh, pick 5 a 10% takeout pick 5 so last night on Wednesday their pick 5 paid $85,000 somebody had the whole pool I actually had the the 15 to 1 shot who closed the race right on top in the last but I still only had two out of the five right when, with having the last two right now to start their pick 5 the first leg the horse paid $94 the second leg, I had, and I had the horse that paid ninety four dollars on the ticket. Gave it out on that's what she said. The horse that just won the second leg paid seventy four dollars. Jeez, could, what's the double? They could be breaking a record. The double for a dollar paid nine fifty three. They could be breaking a record uh, for the pick five tonight, or it could be the first pick five carryover of this t- of this ten percent, which would have a huge pull into next week on Monday. So give Canterbury a look too. And I want to mention one thing, Mike, before we go to Stable Duel. If you like fantasy sports, give me a follow. I mean, horse racing fantasy. That's something that's right up our sleeve, Mike. They, you can pick the like a DraftKings or a, a FanDuel. You have a salary cap. You have to make sure you abide by the salary cap picking your lineup. And they have contests you can get into on Friday and Saturday at Belmont, at Delaware, and at Woodbine for 5 bucks, and then up to 25 So you'll be seeing my name under there. Uh, that's what G said in those contests. Good stuff there. Well, Gino, like you said, that's all the time that we have for this week. One more quick note, Emerald Downs has super low takeout on their Superfecta, so you may want to check that out. In the meantime, have a very happy and safe 4th of July, everyone. Come back, check us out next week with Jason Whitlock, and we'll get into some of that fantasy baseball talk that I'd promised for today, but we did not get to. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you same time, same place next week.
Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.